chance on here. Pulisic picks up the loose ball and he could be in. Christian Pulisic for Chelsea, 1-0. Quick thinking by Alisson, and if Salah could lift it, still Salah, Salah! The Ghost Goal Podcast. Happy Independence Day, everyone. We came back on a Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening almost, to preview the Euros semifinals, Italy, Spain, England, Denmark. And we got a couple Copa America semifinal previews for you, Happy including Javier's day, Peru. Alex. Treason Day. Treason Day, were we, yes. Were we, we're celebrating treason. I, I saw this joke online where uh, it, it must be remembered, lads, that um, it, it, it was actually someone who went to the heights with us. Um, I think is a Stefano... Agostini? He's like Peruvian Uruguayan kid. I don't know if you know him, but um, he he had this joke um, where it was like the it should always be remembered that the English blew a thirteen colony lead, and uh, they you know they, they he was using the Golden State Warriors meme before it was even a meme. Is that the thing? Because <laughs> you know what that meme is. That meme is the Golden State Warriors blew a three one lead against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Like that was a meme for years after that happened. But yeah, no, uh, the uh, the English blew. They they had thirteen colonies here. You know they they they, you know you you would have thought they would have been able to hold on, but we we treasoned them out. Listen, I'm a big fan of any holiday that celebrates independence from England. You know, America managed to pull it off a little bit before. Uh, uh, the Irish. We uh, we didn't have the Atlantic Ocean between us and England. We had the small Irish Sea, and uh, yeah, so it was a little bit harder for us Peru, to pull uh, off. Peru we celebrates a theirs nation. over but Spain. We eventually got there. Yeah, we, uh, we got our independence. That was yeah, uh, yeah. Spain, that's the England, Portugal, of this month, July twenty you know, eighth, France. All of those colonial powers celebrate your Independence Day. Enjoy it. Drink. I can tell you right now, I'm I'm very well and pissed right now. Uh, from a nice brunch uh, celebrating 4th of July. So we're, we're going to have a little bit of fun on this one. we got, obviously, big games to preview. We're going to talk a little, about, a little bit about the uh, quarterfinals that preceded these semifinals. Uh, and then, like I was saying, we've got the Copa America semifinals coming Monday night and uh, Tuesday night. Brazil, Peru, Javier, you're Peru on Monday. And then uh, Argentina, Colombia, Tuesday night to decide who's going to play in the Copa America final on Friday night. That's a big one. Obviously, the Euro final is going to be on Sunday, so next weekend we'll have another preview pod for you, or I guess midweek this week we'll have another preview pod for you for a uh, very good set of games, I'm hoping, for next weekend. Nothing against Peru, Javier, but uh, we all want Brazil-Argentina. Yeah, 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 I'm sure you do. <laughs> Brazil-Argentina, sure Friday night. It's going to be hard. Messi trying yeah, to win be hard his to, first trophy for Argentina. To, to beat Brazil in Brazil, but we'll talk a little bit more about that game later. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm sure everyone wants to see that 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 fun final, and you know, same thing with the Euros. Like as much as like we we all like the Danes are the the, the they're the darlings of the tournament. I'm sure everyone wants to see like 
either Italy, England, or you know, Spain, England, just because like those are the big big names with the, all the big players. But you know, then again, if you see the Danes winning the tournament, that that would be like a, a cool Cinderella story, right? Especially after the whole Ericsson thing. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I've already given my preliminary thoughts about Denmark as the team of destiny, but we're gonna preview that big one. With all right, England that's the only time you get to here. say that this entire pod, Alex. No more team of destiny. No, talk. no, no, no. It's not you. You don't control me. It's it's Independence Day for a reason, Javier. I pledge my. You're not an American yet. The, you don't uh, get to celebrate it. Yes, I'm, I'm Irish, though. I, I get to celebrate. No, I'm calling you out. You don't get to. You, you know, you're not a true American, Alex. I have my green card, Javier. Yeah, Come on, you know is a green card not, not They should have made Alex a citizen because, like, I've lived here yeah, twenty he's lived years, here, like, like way longer than people who are citizens, and like they should have given Alex a citizenship by now. He's a true American. Yeah, true American. Give hero. Alex a citizenship. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Italy, Spain, Tuesday. We're previewing all of these games, but we're going to talk about like the last round a little bit as well, obviously. Italy got through a, a very stern and entertaining test against Belgium the other night. Spain went through on penalties against Switzerland. Uh, I mean, right off the bat, which one of these are you leaning towards? I feel like we've been underestimating Spain this whole time, and even through the two games with five goals in each game, we've... We, we've all right, you're I mean, asking we for it, to go You're asking for it, and I'm, I'm going to give you my take. So, I think Spain, and I mean, I said it on the last pod... They didn't find their finishing boots against Switzerland. You know, again, they had just, uh, you know, they had 28 shots in that game with 73% possession. I mean, I know only 10 were on target, but like they had so, so many chances. And you got to think that a team that every single game, I know they scored, they scored five goals in, in the games before this. They could have scored five goals in this last game. Um, you know, Morata missed a bunch of chances. Moreno had like three 1v1s that he missed. Sarabia missed a 1v1. I, I don't Torres. know about 1v1s. He had three like, Moreno good chances. had three very good chances. Um, Busquets missed the header. Koke missed. I mean, it was like... And then Switzerland's goal was just like a, a freak error from Pau Torres, who's normally super, super solid. Um, and was pretty much against the run of play. Like, the whole game, you know, you really... You, you really did see this Switzerland team miss Granit Xhaka, but... That Froiler red card, man. I was. I don't think that was a red card. I kind of feel like that was a little bit, a little bit hasty from from uh, Michael Oliver. A little bit dramatic, and I, in that situation, I kind of wish he'd given him a yellow. And then, if it was a red worthy, like the VAR can review it and say, "Hey, man, go to the screen and like take a look." And like, maybe like, but like he completely got the ball, and like the studs didn't touch the player at all. Like, I don't know. The reason it ended up standing was, be- like you said, I'm basically agreeing with you that. Michael Oliver gave the red initially, and it's like in American football. This is like a, a very contentious point from American football and, I guess, video review in NBA and other sports where the initial decision given by the referee is more likely to stand because there has to be you know, unequivocal evidence that the opposite is true. Otherwise, it's just going to default to whatever the call on the field was and give the referee the benefit of the doubt. So like you said, if, if Michael Oliver gives a yellow card for Foiler there, then there's not a clear and obvious error that like it was a clear red and that he has to upgrade it to red. But by giving a red card in the first place, that then changes the question for the VAR official that is it a, you know, clear and obvious error by the referee to give a red there? And I mean, it was close. Like if they had overturned it and said no red card, then we all would have celebrated and been like, yeah, good. Good job, VAR. But you can't really fault them from the initial decision that's given by Oliver for, you know, saying that's 
not a, a red card because he he gets the ball, yes, but he and he goes through the player in the process. So that uh, that ends up you know costing him. I, 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 it's a strange one because Michael Oliver is like probably the best referee in England. He's not you know he's not like infallible. He makes mistakes, but he's definitely it's him and what's his name Anthony Taylor who represent England at these games. And the fact that Anthony Taylor is even in the, in the discussion for like international tournaments, like as one of the best referees to send to these international tournaments, you, you know is who crazy. I think is like close to like one of the best now. And you're going to be like, no way. But like, I think Mike Dean is like top three or four now, no. which is just no. It, that's just I mean, how bad that that's just no, how bad the refs no are now. Way. Okay, so you're saying out of a, a group of terrible referees, he's one of the right. best. He's not better than Michael Oliver. No, 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 to no I'm me. saying, like, I'm I, saying he's like, I think he's like right below Anthony Taylor and Michael Oliver. Like, I think Mike, I think the rest of the referees in the league are just like just, just that much worse. They're just awful. But yeah, that's yeah. But but Mike Dean has a problem where he he's anticipating the penalties too much. But he, he's trying. But to he's get really. Many penalties. But, Taylor but has the opposite VAR, problem. Since VAR came out, Mike Dean hasn't done that though. I don't know if you've noticed, but Mike Dean's been since the, the introduction of VAR. He's he's given much less penalties. He like only gives them when he's sure. Maybe I don't have the numbers. Um, for but that anyway, in front but of I wanted to give I wanted to a... give got a little off topic there. But I wanted to give props to the Swiss backline. Um, I thought Elvedi Elvedi and Akanji um, yeah. uh, Widmer and Rodriguez were were just brilliant the entire game. I know I just said that Spain missed a bunch of chances, well, but they were Rodriguez missed his uh, his penalty. Yeah, yeah, right? but. He's one of like the senior best players on that team. For him to miss really set the tone for the penalty shootout. It kind of did. It kind of did right at the beginning. Um, but you got you got to say for 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 this Swiss team. I mean, I know that they're coming out of this tournament heads held high. You know, the, the people are proud of this Swiss team performance, and you got to say like this was a successful the, tournament their first for them. Time, their first time in a. Uh, a international competitions quarterfinal since 1954. Yeah, that's awesome. Like, it, it can't be understated that a team like this beating France, uh, almost you know taking Spain to penalties through extra time, almost, almost, beating almost them, beating yeah. them. You know, getting chances. Uh, the 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 most memorable one was the Zakaria header that almost went in. You know, the, the, there was there there could have in another you know. Small chance that 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 they actually win this game in another timeline, you know, where there isn't that red card, maybe. But you know, I, I think the Spain team for me, in terms of what they've been doing, how they've been creating, um, I like that backline of Alba, Torres, Laporte, and Aspilicueta. I think that that's the best. Like with Simon, in my opinion, that's the best backline left in the tournament, and. I know that they've been conceding goals, but like their chance creation, like all four of those players, like can play through balls, can play crosses, and keep the ball like super well. Um, I wasn't in love with Busquets. Like I thought he was, he wasn't the. I, I didn't think he played that he, well. He was He's fine, fine for the like, matchup. He because they knew they were going to have the ball, so you could get away with playing Busquets. But you know they play Busquets in this Italy game, which we should probably start talking about. Like, are you that confident that Spain's going to be able to dominate midfield? I, kinda, I mean, Petri is obviously yeah, I kind of want Tiago or, or, or Rodri to play instead of him. Tiago hasn't featured significantly. Maybe Rodri then. He got on in like I mean, Rodri as well. They, they, they've just been cast aside. It's been Koke, it's been Pedri, and then either uh, Busquets. Uh, and the, I can't remember who they played in the, the first couple of games when Busquets had COVID, but. Um, uh, since Busquets has been back, he's the captain. He's starting at the base of midfield, and you know it, that that that's that. 
But I agree with you that, that they have better options in Rodri and, uh, and and Thiago Alcantara. All right, well, we got we got to talk. We got to talk about the Italy Belgium game as well briefly here because I mean not briefly. I, I, it was a great game. I I I I think for me that great was game. the best um, of the quarterfinals. Like I, I it, there was a lot of quality from both sides. It was a really close game. Chances on both sides, hotly contested. You know, I very much enjoyed it, and I honestly probably Italy deserved in the end to to go through. Um, I thought that their performance, this was probably their best performance of the tournament in terms of, I know that they had, you know, three nils. That or Switzerland. Yeah, that they had three nil. The, the three nil against Switzerland was a really good performance. Definitely, but I think just against the level of, the, of opposition, a team that was one of the favorites to, to win the whole thing. Both the beautiful goals, Borella's and Insigne's goal, and Insigne has been trying that the whole tournament, finally pulled it off, the the curler that he, his his trademark goal, right, the the Robin, but just from the other side. And I, I, lo- I like that Italy started Chiesa, we were calling for that, saying Chiesa's the, you know, the attacking outlet, and he really was. He was the, the he ran Vertonghen and Vermalen ragged, um, and ultimately was the one who, who created space for Borella, to, to, to nip into the box and get the goal. And, yeah, I, I thought Vermaelen was the one weakness for Belgium that they just Italy completely exploited. You could tell uh, every time Jorginho or Verratti was trying a through ball, they were just like hit, like like just hitting driven balls at Vermaelen's feet and testing him with like Insigne and Chiesa and Immobile just like running in the channels behind him. Um, and Vertonghen and Alderweil just weren't quick enough. They're both like in their 30s now. Just not, you know, Vertonghen's like 34, 35, Alderweil, I think, is 31 or, you know, 32. Not not that old, but they just didn't have the pace to, in the in the back line. Um, and, like, Thorgan Hazard and, and Thomas Menuir, they were bombing forward. But even Thorgan, like, Thorgan didn't really get that much of a, a whiff at goal because Doku was the one attacking on that wing. But he really had to come back and defend and help a lot because how much Chiesa and Barella were just... You know, d- destroying that wing, and yeah, I was I was super impressed with with Spinazzola until he went off hurt. It's big blow for Italy. Yeah, big he's, big blow. He's torn his Achilles. He's going to be out for six months. So that'll bring Emerson back into the team. Who, I mean, despite uh, you know, despite the fact that he's not like a preferred option at left back for Chelsea, whenever he's played for Italy, you know, there there are some players like this. We've mentioned them on this pod in the last couple of weeks that. When they play for their national team, it, whether it's just the, the the difference in personnel or the difference in play style, it benefits them. I think they obviously Italy obviously lose something when uh, Spinazzola is not on on that left flank. He's an excellent attacking player, uh, but Emerson is a similar mold of left back where he's not so great defensively. You're not you, he's not going to be able to hold down that wing one v one. He's going to need some coverage, but he can go forward and beat someone off the dribble and uh, play in a good ball or score himself. Similar to Spinazzola, maybe not as well, but he has that similar kind of profile. So I'm favoring Italy in this one. I, I mean, I, I feel terrible because I've you know underestimated Spain at every turn, and I'm fully prepared for them to you know maybe win the, the midfield battle. They have good enough players to do it. It's certainly not. Uh, it's certainly not like just to, to me, Italy this is, as to the me, full this favorites. Is the, the most intriguing. I know that like Denmark are are gonna, obviously going to be underdogs. Uh, away from home against England. But for me, this this Italy Spain game is is the two best midfielders and like the two best ball possession retaining teams in the tournament. Even from the beginning, just like from the start, these those were the two teams that held on to the ball the most. And I'm curious to see who, you know, if Italy can even have 
positive possession against them. If they, if they can outpossess Spain, no one's even come close, obviously, so far this tournament. So, uh, Locatelli didn't even get on the pitch, which I don't know if he's carrying an injury or if he just doesn't really trust Locatelli to, to do the defensive job, obviously attacking wise. Like he's pretty I, I was, good. I was, say, I was saying to you, I was saying to you when we were texting about like why Locatelli wasn't starting again, that Mancini just ever since he first arrived as Italy manager, like two years ago, or maybe it was three right after they uh, didn't qualify for the world cup, he was appointed ever since he's arrived that Jorginho in the base of midfield, Verratti left center midfield, Barella right center midfield. If those three are healthy and it's a game that he needs to win, he's starting them. There's not even a question. Every big game in qualifying, I know those don't seem like big games because the opposition isn't as tough, but every big game away from home that he's needed to win, you know, entrenchedly as the favorites to qualify, he's gone with those three in midfield and he trusts them. And frankly, after that Barella uh, performance and, you know, how good Italy were in midfield, maybe not initially, De Bruyne was sort of like having his way like uh, in the first like opening part of the the first half. But they just sort of like wrestled control of midfield back from uh, from Belgium, turned Belgium into the counterattacking team that we you know kind of predicted they may even end up being. Um, and then Chiellini and... Uh, and Bonucci just, you know, locked down Lukaku from there on out. He had a f- couple of like really good chances early, but that's a really good that's a really good sign for Italy but, because those two Jeremy players Doku, are going to be familiar I mean, with Alvaro Morata. No, but those but those two players in defense are going to be very familiar with Alvaro Morata in this next game. They're going to know how like where to hit him, how to frustrate him, how to shut him down. They may not even I need to Luis do that because he might just miss the chances anyway. He took him off, and I don't I think, think so. He's he's had chances and failed, and Enrique has still started that, him. I think he's a he, senior player in the squad. I understand that, but he point. took him off in the 60th minute, and it was pretty early on. It's not like he was like tired or something. He took him off pretty early on this time. Yeah, but everyone, no, but everyone who's played enough is tired at this point because you know we're playing. It's games every yeah, four you're right, days. You're right. Maybe for the last maybe he will weeks. start, but I, I I really just want Moreno to start one game because I think if he gets like the tempo of starting from the start. And he's the striker from the start. I think he's going to score. I think it's a lot harder to get into a game when you're coming off the bench. We're but past that. At yeah, this point. I agree. I agree. We're past I agree. that. Like, like Ben Chilwell isn't playing for England at left back in this tournament. I know that. I don't agree with it, but I know that at this point. Like, I'm just using that as an example. But okay, and then know, and like, then I the time for that was yeah, earlier. I I mean a couple a couple honorable mentions for Belgium. I mean De Bruyne was great. He just didn't get his goal. He had a couple really good chances. And and he he was good, but you could tell he was he playing was. with the and, injury. And like Doku, he started off really well, but then he just didn't seem to have that same sort of burst of pace for midfield to run through uh, tackles that like he, he usually does for Manchester City. K- so Kylian Mbappe was like he said that he wishes he had the pace that Jeremy Doku has, and like that kid, if he can stay injury free, who knows? Like he, his breakout year on on Ren last year, you know, I, I'm sure some teams might try to sign him this summer. I doubt that he goes anywhere. I bet he tries to establish himself another year in France before making a big money move, but he's yeah, I mean, an exciting player for the future. He, he hasn't really had a breakout club year yet. Like He was good enough for Anderlecht, but people don't take that too seriously. Got his move to Rennes last summer when you know names like Liverpool were being thrown around for him. Uh, ended up going to Rennes because they had Champions League football and the, you know because they could guarantee him a place to start, but he struggled with a couple of injuries and even when he got into the team, Ren as an uh, as you know as a team overall didn't have as good of a season as previously, where they got that Champions League qualification. So uh, yeah, he's like suspect number one along with uh, Mikkel Dam- Damsgaard from uh, 
from Sampdoria playing for Denmark right now as like the two attacking players, young attacking players that, you know, their club situation kind of demands after their performances this tournament that they should be moving on, at least at least upgrading somewhat, even if it's only been a year for Doku. But but I agree. We, we both were saying like as soon as the lineups were, lineups were released for that game that, you know, uh, I forget his name, uh, Di Lorenzo, the right back for Italy. He's he's an OK player, but we both knew Jeremy Doku was just going to have him on toast for that entire yeah, and game. He, can, he, he ends up winning the penalty, penalty right that Lukaku scored. Um, and just went by him at just, will. Yeah, the entire game. He so had, keep an eye I on Jeremy. I think Jer- he had what? Jeremy Didn't you tell me he had like Very seven or eight take-ons in the first half, which was more than... He, he ended up with eight take-ons for the entire game, which is, you know, a record for most... Uh, take-ons by a single player in the tournament so yeah, far that's, that's so pretty awesome i doubt that one's going to be uh going to be beaten also shout out jan summer i know we moved on but jan summer had the most saves in a game at this tournament 10 the, saves um, and you know helped get switzerland speaking to penalties. Of saves and you know talking about uh some big big transfer moves that have happened um in this last week john luigi donnarama who was a free agent um on Ju- june 30th has signed for psg so that may be one who he's only 22 years old. He's a phenomenal player. You would have thought that Italy would have wanted to keep their number one goalkeeper in Italy, but him going to PSG, I think that's a big, big move. And he's been awesome in this tournament. He, that was that goal that they conceded with Bel- against Belgium was the first goal in the last 12 games that they've conceded. So Italy in the last 12 games has won. There, this is now 12 straight games. Uh, they've scored 25 and conceded one. And that was a penalty. And uh, they're unbeaten in 25. Uh, so both of those are records for the Italian national team for consecutive wins and for the longest unbeaten streak. So yeah, Italy right now are in phenomenal form, and I don't blame you for for thinking they're going to beat Spain. I, I just, I just, gonna I'm going to pick Spain. I think we're here, Javier. We're here celebrating Independence Day, and you are pledging your allegiance to your captives. No, no, I celebrate my Independence the Day the from, like, from them in, in, on the 28th. But, I'm pulling but, your leg. No, I, I, I just... I'm being a dick. I just think that Italy are going to... Choke? Yeah, I think they're going to choke. I think that this is not, not a team that is fit to win the tournament. And I think on play, for me, Spain... Did you think that when you picked Belgium last round? The, the 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 thing is is that's an awful long pause. Yeah, you're right. But <laughs> I think I didn't factor enough the the back line and like how bad that they would be. Uh, how bad Vermalen, yeah, Vertonghen, and Alderweireld? There was just there was no good defenders back there. And hey, I'm right there with you. I at least Belgium Spain too, has like I, an I absolutely filthy back line and. You know, like there's there's yeah. no one back there that you're like they're a bad defender or, or you are going to be like that. Pau Torres mistake was was freak of nature, and they really should have scored three or four goals in that game. I kind of think they're going to score three goals on Italy. Okay, what's your uh, official score prediction? I'm going to say three one Spain. I'm going to say two one Italy. I, I mean, I've, I've obviously mentioned that my De- Denmark are my pick to to win it all, but I, I, Italy have. Very few weaknesses. You learned your lesson, Alex. They and were whatever your dark we- horse. You should have backed them we- in the last round. You pussied out, whatever and now weaknesses- you're backing them now because you feel bad. You're right. You're right. But the, the questions I had about this Italy side were answered against Belgium. Because Lukaku was playing well. And Don- Donnarumma was up to the test. I mean, I know that was mostly early on, but, you know, uh, yeah, you, you could probably put it more of the blame on, you know, Lukaku and some of the, the Belgian attacking players than, you know, giving credit to the Italy defense because... They did concede some some very good chances to Belgium, but 
They also just showed the kind of control in that game with Verratti and Jorginho. I can't praise Jorginho enough. There's Chelsea players in each one of these four teams, one of which is guaranteed to win the Euros after winning the Champions League, that is playing absolutely out of their skin at the moment and pl- just continuing their form and the, the qualities they bring to their their club team, the, the, to these every, national teams the in most, a way that's the benefiting them amazingly. club club has, has to be Atalanta, though, because they have so many players in no, the No, I think tournament. it's Chelsea. I, no, yeah, but I mean, Chelsea, we, we are tied with Bayern Munich for the most players competing in the tournament. And we have a player guaranteed to win the uh, the, the trophy now. No, fuck Chelsea. Alex. We're not talking don't. about Chelsea in this podcast, Alex. Uh, moving I on. Mean, we, we are uh, the kings of Europe. We are the kings of Europe. It's only natural for one of our players to be the also international kings of Europe. So, yeah, you're right. We should move on. England, Denmark, Wednesday, 3 p.m. England are fresh off a 4-0 uh, hammering of Ukraine home. in Rome. Coming home, Javier. We all Javier, know it's coming. You did this home. last time. You did this last time. You're singing the wrong song. I didn't correct you the first time. You're singing a P Diddy song from like 2014 yes, I'm or whatever. It. I'm combining it. No, you're not combining it. You don't even know the original song. I won't sing it because I have a soul. No, don't worry, Alex. Uh, so, for for those of you, just look up. It's it's coming home. Three lines on the shirt. 1996 on YouTube. You know, slit your wrist to that. <laughs> So fresh off that 4-0 win, England are, you know, they're at back at Wembley. They played their one game of the tournament away from Wembley. So they're sh- for sure favorites in this game against Denmark. But Denmark didn't have a bad performance themselves against the Czech Republic before, side. Before that, we, frankly, I, I give more game, credit to Denmark for that win. We should have talked about this last week. No, no, but Javier, I'm, I just, I'm, you yeah, know, I... I we're going to get to it. I just want to say I give more credit to Denmark beating Czech Republic 2-1 than I would England beating Ukraine. Like I, I agree. I, I thought Ukraine I were a decent team, but they were by far the worst of the third place yeah, teams. Definitely. They shithoused their way and got a red card in their favor to beat that Sweden team in the last round. And they got a bunch of injuries and were hobbled and really had no chance against England this time, especially after the early, early goal. So... This Denmark team are going to provide all of the tests that Scotland did, but with the class and uh, confidence of a team that, you know, isn't afraid of anything. How can you be afraid of conceding a goal when up 2-1 against, or sorry, up 2-0 against Czech Republic? When literally three weeks ago, you just watched your your teammate and one of your best friends almost die on the field. That like that that means nothing to them anymore. Now they're just going with the conviction and confidence of a team that, you know, you put the Christian Eriksen thing, like uh, give them credit for that and say that can propel them to something different. But they're straight up playing like better than most any other team in the tournament. Like you yeah, can make an argument Spain, that Denmark has Spain, performed Italy, the best and since then, that and, third And Denmark game. are the like from the eye test, they've they've all been very, very impressive. Right. They're all. And then England in this last game. But I don't think you can give them that much credit. I agree with you on that. But no, I agree with you. I think Denmark beating Czech Republic, Czech Republic again, surprised. You know, they, they got back into the game after being down 2-0. And honestly, like, they really turned it on again in that second half of that game, got their goal, made it nervy for, for Denmark, and they controlled possession. Denmark, like, sat back and did their... But the Danes back line... But, but I think we've just learned that the Czech Republic are a good They are team. a very good team. They're a very good team. England only beat them 1-0. Denmark beat them 2-1. I don't think you can really separate those performances too much, but... 
you know, it just shows that the Czech Republic are were a good side that were hard to beat at this tournament. So for Denmark to still come out on top in that in that one, even though they kind of I don't even want to say they limped over the the finish line, they conceded Told the goal you, Alex, and then, you know, held them. out for the rest of the you, half. You keep, you keep Poulsen away. Yeah, you were right. You, you keep the exact I mean, same I line. I didn't think Poulsen played too badly when he uh, he came on. He didn't score, but he was he was it was a good threat on the counter. Uh, but Casper Dolberg, you know, as a as a target man, and even in his link up play, when he he does drop in deep to to build things up, yeah, you can't find too many faults with him in these last couple of games. When when he started for them, he's been, yeah, bra- he's been very bra- very bra- good, bra- and he's Damsgard, gotten the service he needs. Braithwaite, Damsgaard, and Maley all had like one like one v one chances that they Myla they probably finished should, probably should have scored. And yeah, Denmark played really well. I agree with you. I want them to beat England. I just how do you beat England at Wembley when they just won four nil and the entire like they're gonna have a full packed stadium? You score first. Yeah, that's 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 what that's, that's what key. needs to happen. That's what they're gonna need to do. I mean, obviously, just let me just preference this with any team that scores first in a game of football is far more likely to go on to win to win the game. Like, I mean, that goes without saying. But in this game, especially at Wembley, like you said, the fans can be, I mean, the Wembley, the Wembley difference is just, you know, phenomenal. Like it's, I'm, I'm almost envious of it. Um, but England are going to get this and then the final if they, they go through at Wembley. So they, they're by far the tournament favorites now. We, we checked last time and they were the betting favorites even before the, the quarterfinals were played. So uh, it's all on England. The pressure is all on them. They've done well enough, and I think they deserve that status as favorites. They haven't conceded a goal yet in the tournament, which I think you have you have to at this point. Uh, you know, give them credit for that. It's the first time any team has gone through the first five games of a tournament without conceding, and it's not pushovers the whole time. They did have to play Croatia. They have to play a good Czech Republic side, like we mentioned. Uh, Germany, obviously. So it's a good defense. Harry Maguire has come back in and just hasn't looked like he's missed a beat, scored in that last game, obviously, and had a man of the match performance against Germany before that. So I, I don't fault anyone for picking we, England. We, they are the favorites. What I wanted but to Denmark say earlier, are winning Alex, this is 2 1. I wanted to say earlier 2 1, Javier. Alex, Denmark. Jayden, They're Jayden winning Sancho, the tournament. Manchester United, Alex. We should have talked about it on the last pod. Of course, England start him as soon as he. I, mean, moves I was just going to save that United. for when we preview the the season. Like I get it, he's on Manchester United, and now he's important, and England want to start him exactly. in big games. It's bullshit hypocrisy, but, but you know. But what do you think? The, you you know, he is. was one of your favorite players. Are you a little bit sad that now he's on he's on United, Alex, and he's going to be playing against you every year? I mean, I probably feel the same way that you feel about Kai Havertz going to uh, going to Chelsea. Yeah, you know, he was one of the players that you were you know sad, making Alex. me hip to. Sad couple of years ago it happens i mean the the the, the, t- the moment i first started enjoying watching him play was when i was watching chelsea youth teams beat his uh his manchester city team in the fa youth cup a couple of years ago when it was foden and and uh Sancho versus you know mason mountain reese james and callum hudson odoi and you know i loved all those chelsea players obviously but you know foden and Sancho absolutely stood out and you know you appreciate good footballers when you see them Sancho is an excellent creative winger uh, he, he can lock down that right side for Manchester United uh, that we, we've talked about them crying out for a player like that for so long now. Uh, but at the end of the day, they, they do still need the, uh, the the long-term striker. And well, if they go and get Rafael they'll create Varane chances for Cavani. And, yeah, if they've got Cavani and Rashford, like they, 
and then and then Greenwood yeah, can develop. He's a center. A, he's been a center a, forward that's his a, entire that's a scary front, young front career. Five or six players with Bruno behind them. I mean Pogba, if they can hold on to him, it's an excellent buy, and it's one of the the few times we've criticized Man United before for uh, you know sort of delaying and dilly dallying on these transfers for too long. They but got this it is done one of the immediately. Few yeah, moments and where the price is well, not no, that no, bad. I, I'm not saying they. I'm not saying they they got it done immediately because this was rumored to be happening last year. So if anything, they dilly dallied on this even more. But that ended up being a benefit for them because of the uh, COVID uh, market, basically. And they get him for you know not the 150 million that was being quoted last year. You know I can't remember what the exact number was, but it was something like 80 or 90 million, like or maybe 70 even. Oh like, yeah, I think it was. I think, I think yeah, it was around at. 90, 90. But yeah, much less than what was being quoted yeah, last year. They get him on a discount so. because you know Dortmund know there's no other suitors really that are uh, that Sancho's serious and going to. He had a good game against Ukraine. I'm not sure whether he starts this Denmark game. Uh, they might go back to Foden. I kind of, I kind of think, I kind of want the Danes to win too. I think they're going to win too, Alex. I kind of think Denmark are going to win too. I think England are choke. But if I say that, are we jinxing them, Alex? Do you want me to predict England yeah, and just be like, absolutely, it's England, Alex. I, England are gods. I was anticipating you just going chalk and saying, you know, England. But I love Denmark too. Like they. Everyone loves yeah, Denmark. Yeah, they're playing great. Uh, okay. parents and actually, we Denmark. have to mention, Javier, we have to mention, this is coming from an Irishman and a Peruvian, two people whose national teams have been abused by the Danish in big qualification games and, you know, actual games at the World Cup. Denmark, we drew Denmark in... In our uh, Ireland, drew Denmark in the knockout game or like the playoff game to get into the 2018 World Cup, drew them away in Denmark, came back home. Christian Eriksen tore us to shreds in Dublin. They beat us 4-1. Christian uh, or Andreas Christensen scored the first. Uh, it was a miserable night to be an Irish football fan. Then they go to the World Cup, get drawn in the same group as Peru. I'm all behind Peru. We, we both are, obviously. Vamos Peru, carajo. And, uh, oh, <laughs> and uh, Peru, carajo. And... And they beat Peru in the first game, and it's heartbreaking when Cueva misses the penalty. So these are two people that have not got a, a a sort of friendly inclination towards the Danes. Like, we love them as people. They're great people. They're great players from that country. But as a national team, we do not root for them. And we have had we have been wronged and, you know, felt bad thoughts towards that team very recently. So for us to turn around and just be not only in love with the, the storyline of them overcoming the the, the loss of Christian Eriksen for their team and the, the, the sort of experience that that that, that uh, happened, but uh, the way they're playing since then, Damsgaard is electric. Dahlberg, it's great that he's you know reminded people of the player that he he was back in. 2017, I think it was, for Ajax on that Europa League run where he was playing so well. Uh, and they ended up losing in the final to United. But uh, they have players, young players, that have stepped up in Christian Eriksen's a- uh, absence and have that back three sort of, of you know, filled the void. Kier and Christensen, that's yeah. unreal. Like, that's uh, and, so and defensively I'm, I'm saying, solid. The reason I mentioned those attacking players is because we've, we've known that Denmark can produce good attack, or sorry, good defensive players center backs, wing backs, their goalkeeper, Kasper Schmeichel. The last time Denmark won a European Cup, 1992 in Sweden, Peter Schmeichel in goal. His son is here now. They've got as good a chance as any to go on and win this tournament with a horrific event, you know, just behind them. I I think they pull it off. I think Denmark win 2-1. But Javier, you have to pick England, man. Come on, don't jinx this. (laughs) 
What if your Saka is back? Saka could beat Denmark. You believe that, right? Yeah, I mean, if they start Saka, like, then just, England will win. But we all know they're going to start. Who deserves not to start? Who, who are you taking out for Saka? Mason Mount. Get the fuck no, out I'm of joking, here. I'm Alex. You're just trying to piss yeah, me I'm off, trying you to piece mess of with shit. You. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, Saka probably... I mean, I, I didn't think Sancho was that good. I think, like, Harry Kane kind of created his own chances, and Raheem was the, Ra- the, Raheem okay, was the creator. On. Raheem, Sterling sorry, Raheem created was, that first yeah, chance. Yeah, Raheem was the creator, and... It was Sterling and Shaw s- created two like, very good chances. Uh, and and I, just, I, I think, like, England just had such an easy game, it's hard to really judge, like... To really take anything from that Ukraine game, I mean, it was just like you said, they got the early goal and it was just like Ukraine just folded and died. You know, they were, uh, I don't know, like, you know, they were able to bring on Jude Bellingham and, you know, good for him that he got his, his, you know, his, his England time. But they didn't even have to bring on like Jack Grealish, a player who we know can change the game and who we like, he's probably one who maybe he should start over Sancho in the next game. I do just want to mention that, uh, there seems to be like a trend here that there, no matter what Gareth Southgate does, obviously there's only 11 spaces and only so many spaces for attacking players. There's just going to be really good players left out of this team. But for some reason, people have had a bigger problem with it when it's been Grealish and Sancho than when it's been Foden. And uh, I mean, Mason Mount, you can't really blame him for yeah, it. Yeah, Foden's been so but, good. It's weird. Yeah. That people aren't Foden, like crying Foden for was, Foden. In no way would you look at after those two games at the England performance and be like, Phil Foden's the problem. Get him out of there. He was just rested because he had a yellow card and they didn't want to risk him for uh, getting suspended. That's obviously not an issue anymore now that the uh, that's expired. But Foden could absolutely come back into the game instead of Sancho, keep the team as is. And they'd have a pretty good chance against Denmark, but... <laughs> Again, I'm sticking with Denmark. They can grind these games out against an England side that is good, playing well, very hot, has the crowd behind them. But I think I think you know, it's going to be one thing goes against England and the attitude shifts. It's going to be one one in regular time, one one in extra time, goes to penalties, and the Danes win. That's a, that's my bad. Actually, you know what, Javier? That's perfect because you know you're picking Denmark, but you know it's by the closest of margins. I, okay, all right, I can settle for that. So. Javier and I, Javier's got a Spain-Denmark final. I've got a Italy-Denmark final. Is, is that, are you, are you saying Spain are going to win the whole thing, Javier? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I really do think Spain are going to win the whole thing. I think. I've heard more and more people, you know, come around to that. Obviously, since it's, the teams have dwindled it's away, not that's just more likely to happen. It's not, it's really just because of the way that they're playing. And I know that they're not scoring the chances, but they're creating so many chances. No one else for me has created against good teams the amount of chances that this Spain team has created. And Let me flip that for you. No one else has wasted more chances than this Spain team that's has fair. wasted. <laughs> but at some point, they will stop the wasting. They had that point. They scored five goals in each of the two games in the last two in the last group stage and the and the first uh, knockout stage. They they've had their moment. Teams have figured them out. All right. So you think Spain are going to win it? I think Denmark are going to win it. Obviously, Italy and England are probably the two favorites in these two ties to go through, and that would be a hell of a final as well. Like I I obviously do not want England to go any further, but if you gave me Italy England in the final. Purely as a football fan, a neutral football fan, I would or think Spain, that's a England. hell of a game or Spain, at Wembley. England. Both of those sound. I, I wouldn't be as hyped for Spain yeah. England as I would be for Italy England. Like I, yeah, I don't know. It's I think it's something about the trajectory of these two teams, Italy and England. Like Spain, kind of seemed like a teaming they transition. They fought against each other in of, World War Two. They hate yeah, each other. Okay, sure. 
<laughs> I mean, that you would you would throw that out for England. But they Germany are rivals. Than, uh, they are England, rivals. Italy. They are rivals. Yeah, sure they are. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we're really looking forward to those two Europa League or not Europa League. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> That's the 4th of July brunch drinks for you. We're really looking forward to these uh, Euro semifinals and the final that will uh, come next Sunday. We're obviously going to jump back in here to talk about that uh, sometime in the midweek to preview that final game. But the Copa America has been kind of going on in our absence. We kind of teased talking about it throughout uh, the last couple of weeks. <laughs> uh, gave a brief preview before the group stage started. And now we're back to talk about it in the semifinal stage. Uh, We apologize we didn't deliver as much of our uh, Copa America coverage as we uh, probably inferred, but Brazil-Peru Monday night. I I know you're all doom and gloom going into this one. You guys lost, what, like 4-0 to them in the first game of the tournament? Yeah, it was pretty awful. We lost 4-0. It was kind of unlucky. I do feel like in in an attacking sense, you've you've figured out what you want to do in an attacking sense. We're a completely different team than that first team in the tournament. So that first team, like... You could tell that the like first of all we were nervous like we didn't know what was going on it was it was like Brazil's first game you know their fans were behind them and everything and Brazil it, wasn't it Peru's first game but it was Brazil's second yeah, game yeah yeah that's what it was and exactly they got like they got to play their second game I mean, that's that's a, that's a, a pretty big that's advantage a positive for Brazil yeah. that helps them and yeah. not only that but we they they kind of got a bullshit goal like in the middle of the second half and. It, 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 the 4-0 didn't reflect like what the game truly was like Peru had some chances Brazil made saves but this last game Peru Paraguay 3-3 I mean this game was crazy it had own goals red cards you know beautiful goals shitty goals great goals yeah, too just like a penalty shootout where a penalty both teams shootout, missed penalties saves. I mean what a great tie both two I think very evenly matched teams and I think Peru deserved to go through but the defending really really scared me you know, just the matter of the the three Paraguay goals, the way that they, even in the just the one in the 90th minute, how that dude just like waltz in the box. Um, I think it was like, I think it was Ar- Arzamendi or no, it was it, it was it, it was one of their midfielders that just like strolled into the box basically, cut it back for their striker who had the the Gabriel Avalos who had never scored an international goal for them, gets like a very easy like tap in in the 90th minute to, to to force the penalty shootout just really worries me for this Brazil team that I don't know how we're going to keep out, you know, this, I, I, I kind of, I, I think it could be like 4-2 Brazil. Like, I think it could be like a really fun one where I don't think we're going to be blown away. I think Lapadula has been great for us. I think he's now got three goals and two assists for the tournament and he's definitely been our best player. Yotun's been great. Tapia, they've, they've been doing well in midfield and I think Carrillo has been one of our best players. And he, he sadly got yeah. got got a red card at the who, end of that game. And who, who do you think's coming in to replace him? Is it Santiago Ormena from uh, Puebla? I know he came on for for yeah, Mina that, in that that's last who, game. But. He's yeah, he's. I don't know too much about him. I know that he he came on. He might be the one that comes on. I think the main point is that we we, we don't really. I mean, even still at the semifinal stage of this Copa America. There's still so many unknown factors in this Peru team specifically. Obviously, Brazil, we we know you know most about their players. They're by far the heavy favorites in in this. In the it's got to be said, like yeah, they only beat Chile one. You, you guys have an X factor about you that like I, it's you guys can still impress when you don't expect it. It's it's very hard to try and predict. I'm not watching too much, you know, Mexican league or Peruvian league. Sometimes the Mexican league, but even then, you know. 
so, uh, some of the the good players in the Mexican league that Peru have, they don't even really stand out too much in in, in uh, the the Mexican league. So it, it's hard to get like too far behind them. But I got to give it to you guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I would not be surprised if you just made it like a really tough game, even if uh, Brazil honestly come like, out and play the, well. The you guys that, have counterattack yeah, potential. The fact potential. that Gabriel Jesus got sent off, you know, I, I was looking at the bench for Brazil and they didn't take like that many. Like, really good attacking players. I mean, I don't know why Vinicius Jr. just doesn't get any game time for Brazil, but, you know, Chile were in that game even till the end. Um, and I know that Brazil had to play half of the game with a red card, so it was probably a lot closer than, like, maybe it should have been. But Chile definitely had chances to, to get to that semifinal. And it's kind of weird to me that Fred starts every game when they have Fabinho. Fabinho doesn't even get on the pitch. Even Douglas Luiz, in my mind, is probably like a little bit better of a player than Fred, but... Right, we don't we don't even need Andrew to be on this pod to be yeah incensed that Fabinho about how doesn't start next to Fred starts over yeah, Fabinho. it's just it's 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 mind boggling to me and you know what if they're starting Fred with Casemiro in the midfield like I kind of think you'll tune and Tapio well, they'll have some joy in that midfield like we even Sergio Pena who's come into this midfield he's he's I think only 24, 25, like he's he's given some energy to the midfield and gives us some pace to run in behind um, and he's worked really well with Lapadula in these last two games so. I kind of like him to to link up with Lapadula, and I could see them getting a goal or two and making it a nervy game for Brazil. So don't count us out completely in this. I think Brazil are not at their best at the moment. I know that they beat us 4-0 in that first game, but I hope that our players learn from that, and I think we've grown a lot in this tournament Like going forward. At the back, I think we're you still... Guys are, you guys are for sure ahead of schedule on your transition from the previous generation exactly. that ended with that, I think, that I think, World Cup qualification. I think not seeing... You know, we didn't have Farfan, no Guerrero. Um, you know, our back line, we're, we have new center back. Um, I mean, Santa no Maria... Vincula, yeah, no Advincula. That, that's three, like, big veterans that have been in the team for the last, you know, eight to ten years. Um you know, so, I mean, Advincula, if you if you guys listening don't don't know, is you know a, a powerhouse of a right back that you know I think he plays in in Mexico, but you know he he, he he bursts through the screen when you're watching the Peruvian national team. You just see this absolute like athletic specimen bombing down the right wing, and he can defend and be physical with any of the the best attackers in the world. So. I mean, we, we mentioned him in passing. I just want to give him the sort of credit that he deserves, along with some of the other players. But okay, the thing about Brazil, I know you said you know Gabriel Jesus, they'll miss him, sure, I guess. But even if he goes out, even if they keep Fred and Casemiro in midfield, they can just you know bring in Lucas Paqueta, who is more of a box to box type. Scored the winner against Chile. They can have him be the the advanced midfielder. Neymar on the left, Firmino through the middle, Richarlison on the right. Hell, they can even you know stick to their four attackers that they started with that Chile game and bring in Everton. Uh, or or Vinicius, like you said. So they have. Yeah, they, they, they have, still they have, have plenty way of too options. many options, and I agree. I think it's going to be hard for us. I'm going to say three-two Brazil. Ah, so a hell of a game. Three-two okay. Brazil. I'll definitely uh, definitely enjoy that one tomorrow night. I'm going to say two-two. Peru win on penalties. Vamos Peru, wow. carajo. If Alex, if Alex is predicting Peru to win and we don't. I believe. Alex predicting Peru and the Danes to go through. I believe. This is how we all know Alex Teams is Teams of destiny, Javier. This is the summer of destiny. <laughs> I have no comeback for that. Because <laughs> it's undeniably true. 
whatever. I alerted everyone to this before we even started. They're aware. It's it's fine. Uh, you know, I'm not blackout, but you know, it's you know, post brunch drinks. It's definitely a different mindset. All right, let's move on to the uh, the other semifinal in Copa America, Argentina, Colombia, Tuesday night, 9 p.m. I have to mention that Brazil uh, Peru game is Monday at 7 p.m. So get off work and uh, enjoy that one. Actually, no, most people are off on Monday for uh, you know Fourth of July. Uh, so enjoy that one at 7 p.m. Argentina, Colombia, Tuesday, 9 p.m. Uh, Lionel Messi having a very good tournament. I'm going to go ahead and, you know, I know you're picking Argentina because you think this is the best team that Lionel Messi has had around him for Argentina ever in his no, career. No, I didn't but, say ever. I said since 2009. Yeah. 2009. What was that? Copa America? Yes, that was the Copa America team where they had Zanetti. They had Cambiasso. They had... That team was. Was that the one that lost to Brazil when Brazil like brought their backups? Yes. That was horrific. That team, I remember yeah, that, that final. Team was, that was like the Danny Alves like announcement right, game. That team was, he was like amazing so good. in that, that tournament. That team was so good, but they just completely but, underperformed but at the time, in that final. It, but at the time, that Brazil team, they sent all of like their backup players because none of the like world's like class players wanted to play. And you know the backup players ended up becoming world class because they're obviously Brazilian, but. At the time, it felt like, oh, my God, Argentina just got beat by the Brazilian B team. So that was, yeah, that was a really bad one for them to lose. Yeah, they had like, I thought they, they, had, had, like one, they had one or two seasons against Tevez, Chile. They had, but they, they they had one or two times they got to the final against Chile and just like they had good teams. Yeah, then, but in those but then teams, just, like, I remember choked. they always had like Otamendi. They were they'd always had like weak backline or a shitty goalkeeper. I think Martinez being the goalkeeper. You don't know the difference in that back line and like the stability that the midfield and just throughout the entire team having and that because, having because there's so many Martinez's on this team, you have to verify that it's uh, Emmy Martinez. Martinez from I'm Aston sorry, Villa, yeah, Emmy former Martinez, former Arsenal legend, Emmy yeah, Martinez, Martinez, FA Cup winner, FA Cup winner Emmy yeah. Martinez. Uh, he's he's changed the whole compl- complexion of the way that this team looks for me. Um, I just used to always be on freight on corners when like Romero was in there or like Romero is not a bad shot stopper, but I think, Mar- you know, Emmy Martinez is clearly a better shot stopper, but just like his control and just the way that he commands this team, just like the confidence that, that I feel like he instills. Um, for me, it's a lot better. And then the the back line is 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 actually decent. You know, Pazella is is plays on Fiorentina in Italy. Decent center back. Uh, I know Tamendi's still on this team. Um, that's the one player that like, but he seems with Martinez to to have a very good understanding. Um, and then I like the the Rodrigo de Paul Paredes Loselso midfield. I think that that's like a very well balanced midfield that has uh, good creativity, but like really just feeds Messi. That's their job. They just feed Messi, and Messi's been playing his role as the facilitator. You know, getting a bunch of assists, scoring some goals, and. I don't know, man. I I, I, I want Messi to. I, Messi's got to win a Copa, you know. He needs to end his international drought. So I can't, you know. It, it's hard to defend against the, all the Ronaldo lovers when they keep bringing up that Euro win. So you know. I mean, I want the Brazil Argentina final for neutral, you know, reasons as much as anyone. I mean, that's the dream Copa you, America you know, final. You know who's actually really impressed me for Argentina? Who I I haven't mentioned yet. The uh, Nico Gonzalez, he plays for Fiorentina. He's like a 23-year-old winger. He's, he's looked pretty good so far in the tournament, getting more game time than than I anticipated. He's he's, he's pretty quick, nifty on the ball. He, he he works really hard on that wing. I wouldn't say he like. I don't know if he'll he'll get a big big money move, but if he keeps starting for Argentina, yeah, I could see him moving moving on to a bigger team in a year or two. So. 
couple a couple good decent Fiorentina stars that for me have stood out in in Pazella and, and Gonzalez so far um, for Argentina and and I just kind of think that this Colombia side of they've, they've kind of trotted their way through the tournament like they lost to Peru squeaked by nil nil against Uruguay I just don't feel like they have enough to beat this Argentina side who are really confident right now so I'm gonna say I'm gonna say two nil Argentina so that Uruguay game it was bad I'll admit. <laughs> It was not fun to watch. I uh, was excited for it and made the mistake of devoting 90 minutes of, or I guess a little bit more than 90 minutes of my life to it. But I, I just don't take anything from that game when, you know, trying to predict the outcome of this game. I just feel like Copa America, where I kind of understand the, the sort of the sort of thing you've said to me over the years when, you know, we have this sort of serious sort of joke debate about what's better, like which continent is better, England or, or or, or uh, South America, or what's tougher, I guess. You said England or South uh, America. The, the reason... You idiot fuck. So, oh, God. Yeah, there you go. There's the burnt shrinks rearing their head again. How you know what? You, I'm Alex. proud that it's only How happened dare twice. you, Alex? Compare no, no, no. England I, I and South feel bad America. At all. I'm free of inhibition, Javier. You, you know, Europe. I'm full of he freedom, you know? He would never... I'm feeling free as he fuck. He would never Yeah, Europe compare. versus South America. What, what I'm trying to say is, Javier... The thing I've understood about your side of the argument when we, you know, half joking, half serious, have this uh, this debate is that in a microcosm, one game, like more so than anywhere else in the world, anything is possible in South America. That's definitely fair. It, 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 I mean, I know it's not, I know it's not just, Brazil or, or Argentina, but when you guys beat Colombia, truly surprised yeah, me. Absolutely I had seen nothing us. in the absolutely. World Cup qualifying games me to too. think it's, that it completely Peru shocked were going me as to... Well. And it changed the way that completely the way that I look at Peru right now and the way that we've looked the rest of the tournament. Uh, but, I mean, that, that, that's why I can't count out Colombia just yet. And plus, they have so many of my Atalanta gods, Javier. Luis Muriel. I know, I know you love them. And they did play against Luis a Muriel, very, Javier. very good... And then... Like, I know that we, we, we Uruguay kind of also have trotted through this tournament, but, like, they have on paper, Uruguay had a very, very good team. You know, they still, they had all of their starters, like but, but Cavani, they, Suarez. They didn't have any Valverde, sort of attacking Valverde, Vecino, and Betancourt, which is like the veteran Uruguay, midfield. Uruguay's goal in, or their, their purpose or what they're trying to achieve in every game was to, you know, make it like that Columbia game. Very low scoring. They nick a goal on a set piece and, you know, they knew they didn't have the attacking spark and they brought that attitude into that Columbia game and they were successful overall in that. They just didn't, you know, follow through on the penalties. So, I still believe in Colombia. The one player that I think we have to mention who is just, you know, the biggest X factor on the field for either team, Argentina or Colombia, is Luis Diaz from Porto. He scored the goal of the tournament against uh, He's Brazil. He's really good. Uh, yeah, a week wow. or so He ago. surprised he me. He scored some great goals in multiple games against Manchester City for Porto in the group stage of this He's year's Champions League. He's only 24 years old. He's a He's pretty good player. He's a very, very good, direct, right-footed left winger who can cut in from that left wing and, you know, be devastating with his right foot. And, you know, he's got the athleticism to pull off crazy bicycle kick finishes like that goal against Brazil. So uh, it's going to be on that front three. We know what the the, the back line in uh, Davinson Sanchez and Yeri Mina and David Ospina, who's I think quietly had one of the better tournaments uh, as a goalkeeper in this uh, Copa America. We know what they can do. They can help, uh, you know, try and stem the tide of that Argentina attack a little bit, but it's going to be up to uh, that front three. I just mentioned Sabata, Luis Muriel, Luis Diaz to, you know, I think they got to score twice to not lose, which, you know, I'm not confident about, but I'm going to pick them anyway. Well, from your picks, it would be a Peru-Colombia final, which yes, Peru could win. That's why, 
that's why I was starting with uh, with everyone wants the Brazil Argentina final, but I would settle for you know a smaller rivalry of Peru versus oh, Colombia. So they obviously great. share a border. Great. There's that'd a huge be, rivalry be between them. I would love that, Alex. And you guys could win, Javier. I would love that. Vamos Peru, carajo! <laughs> that'd be so nice. I would. God, that would make me so happy if we uh, got to a final. That would be back-to-back Copa America finals if we do that. Yeah. yeah. Golden generation on your hands, Javier. <laughs> Golden transitional generation. You may not get back to the next World Cup, but uh, the one after that, you're, you're in We're for in it. it. No uh, one wants to go to Qatar anyway. What, what's your score prediction? I'm going to say... I'm gonna blood, say, oil, money, motherfuckers. I'm going to say 2-2, Colombia win on penalties. I'll, I'll say 2-1, Argentina. I was going to say 2-0, but I think Colombia have got enough to score a goal on this on Otamendi trash show. I'll say 2-1. But Martinez... Uh, Otamendi's not starting. Martinez is going to make a bunch of saves and... Does Otamendi start for yeah, Argentina anymore? I don't think he, anymore? I don't think I he think does. I think he does. Oh, yeah, he does. He does still start for them. Oh, good for him. He's playing for Benfica. 33, still playing for Argentina. Good for him. All right, uh, let's wrap it up there. Javier, you got anything else you want to talk about? I, I think we're... We, we can mention, you know, stuff like... Ben White, Lokonga God, Nuno Espirito Santo, God, going to Arsenal Tottenham already made. You know, we're making moves. We're we're going to talk about all that stuff. If you guys are like listening in to hear our Premier League talk, I mean, yeah, maybe if we've got some time on like a future international tournament pod, we'll talk about it. But for the most part, we're going to like kind of wait to see how the transfer window plays out, see what teams can you know sort of bring in, and just before the Premier League season, we'll talk about their transfer windows, how they did, and uh, how it's going to help them in the upcoming season. So. Um, don't want to leave you guys hanging on that because there obviously is a lot of club news to talk about. But Javier, thanks for jumping on uh, with me Sunday evening, 4th of July. Happy uh, 4th of July, everyone. Happy Enjoy 4th, the uh, Copa America and Have Europe, some nice uh, Euro final, semifinals this week. Everyone stayed safe. Not too hungover the next day. Hopefully you don't have work on Monday. If you do, thanks for working. You can follow us on social media at JavierRev9 for Javier's uh, Twitter and at ASMoss92 for my Instagram and Twitter. And of course, at GhostGoalPod for the uh, podcast socials, Twitter and Instagram. Keep an eye out for uh, Andrew, uh, his plus money betting focused podcast. I'm sure he'll give you either a podcast or a podcast. a picks video on our Twitter account and Instagram account before these semifinals coming up on Tuesday and Wednesday. So keep an eye out for that. If you guys want free money, he's uh, doing pretty well this time. And frankly, I want to give myself a little bit of credit for the uh, plus 900 uh, Denmark pick. I gave you guys before this, they're probably still uh, pretty up there. So you haven't run out of time yet. Go get on the Denmark train now before it's too late. Thank you for listening to the ghost Skull podcast. And until next time. See you.